102.7 ESPN Studios in Austin, Texas. This is the Jeff Ward Show. Hey, welcome to our little show. Here's the way it works. I riff on stuff and you react. The phone numbers. Use them. 512-834-1027. That's 512-834-1027. You want to follow me on Twitter or X or whatever it's called this particular week? I'm at Jeff Ward Show. That's at Jeff Ward Show. The goal there is to get to the point. Please don't suck. Whatever you do, make the show better. If you post comments, do so. That's at Jeff Ward Show. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. We drop the podcast every afternoon. You can get the Jeff Ward Show podcast wherever you like to download your podcasts. I would say the same for the YouTube channel as well. Subscribe to it. The Jeff Ward Show is on YouTube. I look like Shrek and in front of a, a weird, bizarre wall, but seems to be doing pretty well. That's the Jeff Ward Show on YouTube. Even when Jerry Jones is trying to avoid drama, he's in drama. Jerry Jones is like a really, really old Kardashian. I don't know if the Kardashians have bad faces, too. Maybe they do. Honestly, I'm not quite sure I could pick out a Kardashian. But he's like a really, really old version of that. He's like an old Kardashian. The football version of Kardashian. So now after 30 years, at least 30 years, I guess, Jerry Jones, who is the, by definition, it's probably even on his business card, the owner, the general manager, the play caller, the public relations director, the in-stadium ad sales coordinator, head parking attendant, and executive director of the Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders. After 30 years... Of all that stuff, and maybe there's more, I'm sure there's more. After 30 years, he decided that he would would announce that Jimmy Johnson will be inducted into the Dallas Cowboys Ring of Honor. Blah, 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 right? Hang on a second. Now, do you care much? Does any normal person that's not a Cowboys face painter care enough about the Ring of Honor? No, you don't. The reason it's relevant now, and I'm going to tell you why it's relevant, what I think is the interesting part of this after all these years. But the reason why it's even relevant now, it's even a subject now, is because of the drama. Self-inflicted, intentional drama. Jimmy Johnson, who I think by this time more people probably know him on the Fox pre- and post-game show than maybe know him as a football coach or certainly the Cowboys coach. But Jimmy Johnson was the head coach of one of the greatest runs in Cowboys history. It was a very good run by NFL standards. Produced three championships. And he's a member of the NFL Hall of Fame. Now, he's a member of the NFL Hall of Fame, but he couldn't get inducted into the Hall of Fame of the franchise that he led to multiple championships, which, of course, was the reason why he was in the NFL Hall of Fame. Several players on teams coached by Jimmy Johnson during one of the great runs in Cowboys history, and there's been plenty, um, they were inducted into this Ring of Honor in 2005. So it has been a noticeable, intentional, decades-long, petty slight. If you got another word for it, go ahead. I, I don't think there's any other word for it, except it was an intentional slight. 
I have a weird theory. You can agree or disagree. Why this? Why now? Which I think is kind of interesting. So on Fox on Sunday before Dallas blasted the terrible, terrible, terrible Carolina Panthers. Fox, (laughs) Fox tried to make this a dramatic moment. They tried to make it dramatic and cool. And you know what? It was terrible. It was terrible stage TV for a number of reasons. First of all, nobody told the band to please stop playing. Nobody even told the band why there was a band. I don't know. But nobody even bothered to tell the band to tone it down. Number two, it was awkward. It was scripted. And even in this moment, it's hard to believe the two feel very good about each other after all these decades. It just it was not good theater. And number three, the old owner doesn't even know the year. Uh, but we got together with the Cowboys because of my appreciation for you. By the way, in true football, but still, uh, my uh, appreciation for you. There's never been any question for what you need to be in the Dallas Cowboys uh, ring of honor. Well, thank you, Jerry. Along the way, we never disagreed on anything about football. We didn't disagree about anything at all. Uh, I remember Bill Walsh got on television and said, those two uh, might have gone careless a little with their relationship. A little careless. Yeah. A little lesson for all of us there. But I will say this. It was magical the time we had together. And I want you to know something. On December the 30th of 1923, you're going in the Dallas Cowboy Ring. Yeah. Well, I, hope it's, I hope it's 20-something. I hope it's 2023. What did I say? Well, it is 2023. Let me just say this. Let me just say this. A lot of people have talked about the tension between us. When we went to the Cowboys, we were both working around the clock, and we talked every single day. We communicated back and forth, and Jerry and I talked about this just not too long ago. We never disagreed on anything. No, and it, it was tight, boy. But, uh, listen, we were losing a million a month in cash flow. And I'd had to buy part of the Cowboys from the FDIC. They'd been foreclosed on. Yeah. It was tight, and you really didn't know for sure how this thing was going to turn out. And frankly, uh, I had, as a matter of fact, when you signed your contract, oh, yeah. it was signed by the Cowboys, right? And I reached over and I said, Jimmy, that's not what the paper it's written on. I don't think the Cowboys can play. So I signed the contract for it at that particular time, right? Because I wanted you there. By the way, that was several weeks, maybe months after he left Miami to come. That's the kind of relationship we had. Well, wow. it, hey, the communication was so good in the early days. The only problem we had is there toward the end, we stopped talking a little bit, but I tell you what, we're talking now, and we're friendly now. Oh, please stop. Oh, my gosh. Uh, the, the band. What is the band doing? They got like some Metallica cover band out there, and they, I don't know what they're doing. They couldn't tell them to turn it down. Um, okay, listen. The history of this for those under the age of, I guess, 45, And then why I think the old man of the Cowboys is doing this now, which I think is maybe the most important part of this conversation. The history of the breakup, which is pretty remarkable. Um, 
And I can tell you a backstory about Jimmy Johnson. I know Jimmy Johnson. I played in college with his son. I, for just so you know, Jimmy Johnson wanted to coach at Texas. Jimmy Johnson was a meteor through the coaching business, was very successful at Oklahoma State, goes to Miami, and Miami was absolutely dominant. Dominant. Putting out NFL guys all over the place. But I know this, been told this many times, he would have walked away from any of those coaching jobs, any of them, to coach at Texas. Didn't happen, obviously. So, you know, Dallas was terrible during a time that he was there. Um, It was, as of right now, the most spectacular, idiotic, and brilliant on the Cowboys' side trade of all time because they, they were just not very good. Dallas was, at the end of the Tom Landry time period, it was an old, stuffy organization that just wasn't moving forward. And I say that as someone who would tell you countless times, Tom Landry was the most innovative person that I know of in all of sports. The impact in all of sports, he modernized the NFL in ways that you now, the game you know now is largely because of Tom Landry. But like all organizations, they got old and stuffy. So Dallas was terrible, couldn't get out of the hole. They traded Herschel Walker, almost Senator Herschel Walker, America. And they then were able to build a franchise out of it and go to multiple championships. So the fight goes something like this. Um, This was... Remember, I mean, this is in the middle of Dallas is on one of the great runs in franchise history. They are going from an NFC championship game to multiple Super Bowls. And then Jerry Jones and Jimmy Johnson. Uh, Jimmy Johnson is out with coaches drinking. I suspect they would do that a lot. Jerry Jones shows up, feels slighted by the coaches and Jimmy Johnson, pops off about it, pops off about it publicly. Jimmy Johnson's fed up with this. The tension apparently is pretty high. They end up just breaking up in one afternoon. Jimmy Johnson goes to Miami, has a mediocre run at Miami, and Dallas is never the same. I think that's important to remember because I think I know why this is happening now all these decades later. So, I think here's the reason. There's the history, okay? There's the goofy history of the two of them. It's always dramatic. It was dramatic then with Jerry Jones. It's dramatic now with Jerry Jones. It's always something like that. Do they get along now? I guess. They're old. Might as well. Um, But why this? Why now? So... Why would Jerry Jones do this now? Why would they go on TV to do it now? One, because it's a boring day, a terrible day of the NFL. Um, these are two famous people. This is a legendary fight that has been going on for a long, long time. It's a legendary slight. And Dallas is playing Carolina. No one cares. So why would Jerry Jones do this now? I mean, decades after putting players from that, some of those teams. I mean, this is a, you know, this is like a Pittsburgh Steelers run. Not only did you win championships, you put multiple, multiple players in the Hall of Fame. The run of the Cowboys in the mid-90s is the exact same thing. Win some championships and put multiple players in the NFL Hall of Fame. And, of course, in the Cowboys. You know, Cowboys are one of the most legendary franchises of also being a part of that, quote, ring of honor is a big deal. But the players, most of the players that mattered at that time were inducted in 2005, and here we are in 1923, according to Jerry. <laughs> um, just now telling Jimmy Johnson this. So why would he do that? Why, could it be that petty? Here's my, here's my theory. 
which I think is the most important part of the Cowboys today. His team is good now. And I say his, meaning Jerry Jones. This is the way I think he views this. His team is good now. It is, his team is good without Jimmy Johnson. And if you laugh and say, are you kidding me? That's the truth. That's just the way it is. They haven't been able to find any footing as a franchise since those runs in the mid-90s. Dallas is one of the best five teams in the NFL right now. You want to say six, say six. I, I put him in the top five easily. Um, it's Jerry Jones' chance to say to himself and sell this publicly, this is a really good team, a Super Bowl caliber team, and I did it without him. That's why I think it's now. I think this, this old man who thinks it's 1923, he has been clamoring, he has been struggling, he has been... Uh, his ego has been smashed since the day they split the sheets in a silly fight over alcohol, and he hasn't been able to pull it off since. There's nothing that Jerry Jones wants to do more, maybe other than make money, and he's pulled off one of those things now, is to be able to say this, ex- this franchise is successful without him. Because it's always looked and probably accurately looked like the only time they could win was when Jimmy Johnson was doing the deals. And it's got to eat the old man alive, who says it's 1923. And now I think he's comfortable saying, you know what, bud, you're a great coach for the Cowboys. I really need to recognize you as a great coach of the Cowboys. I think he can only say it now because he now feels like I've proven my point. I've got a really good team now without that guy. That's why I think it's happening now. I really do. Because I think he has struggled mightily in saying, because look, this is a guy that wants to run to a fault every aspect of that franchise. And he has not been able to have a successful run, a really good run, since Jimmy Johnson did a goofball news conference and said, I'm out. And they acted like they were best friends, and they haven't been. I think, he, I think he's doing it now. I think he's recognizing the guy now. I think he's saying this stuff now. I think he can put his arm around him now because I think he now thinks, I've got a team as good as those days. They're not. As good as those days with Jimmy Johnson, and I feel like now I can feel comfortable enough to be next to him to say, this team is on me, those teams were on him. I, I'm successful now. That's why I think this happens now. I do. Because I think there's nothing more after all these decades. And if it, by the way, if it doesn't, if Dallas can't get to an NFC championship game now, I think the window absolutely slams shut on that franchise. It's slamming shut no matter what happens the rest of this year, just because contractually they're, they're not going to be able to keep up. I don't think Jerry Jones sees it quite like that, but I think it's plainly obvious that the you can't. There's not enough money to go around to keep everybody happy and to keep a talented roster. It's just the nature of the NFL, and I think he thinks this is my last chance. And I got a really good team, and oh by the way, I got a really good team, and that quarterback is my guy. Nothing. There are no handprints in Jerry Jones' mind on the current Dallas Cowboys. And it's taken him that long, I think, feel free to argue, it's taken him that long (laughs) to say, good, these are my handprints, and it's working. 
And if you look at this roster now, I think that's fair. I, I, I do. He's got his head coach, Mumbling Mike. He's certainly got his quarterback, who's playing at a really high level right now. Very few guys are playing any better. It's his drafts, his staff, his new stadium. I mean, it's all his stuff. And it's finally working. That's why I think he can even come to the place of recognizing the great run of Jimmy Johnson. That's how silly I think this whole thing is. And he says, 1923. Now, you can agree or disagree with that. But it is, um, it is a silly, ridiculous power struggle that happened then and just hung on. I think it hung on to this point because I just don't think the guy could produce a good enough product. And I think it ate him alive. And I don't think he ever wanted to even acknowledge, man, we were good when that dude was here. And it's true. They were. We haven't been good as long as that guy hasn't been around, which is also true until now. Until now. And I think he's confident enough. And I think he should be. It's a really good Dallas team. I I don't think there's any argument. I've been saying it for a year now. I think they're a lot better than people realize. And I think the old man thinks that. So he's now in a comfortable enough place to say, you know what? You had a good run, too. I'm now having my run. Granted, it's when he's 105, but he's now having his run. As evidenced by the fact that he said 1923. There. That's how this drama played out. I know the average person who is not under the age of 45 and knows nothing about, one, the history of the franchise, and two, the history of these two egomaniacs. I think I got it right. I think I got it right. How could all those players be acknowledged by Jerry Jones and embraced by Jerry Jones and put stuff up around the stadium about them and not the guy who went in the NFL Hall of Fame? Because I think it's impossible for him to acknowledge after all this time he couldn't acknowledge, man, I couldn't win without him. Until now. Until now. Could he wait a little bit longer? I don't know. Probably not. No, I think he looks out there. I think I'll say this about Jerry Jones. One, the man is desperate to win. He really is, to a fault. He desperately needs to win, wants to win. And I say need because I think the window's closing on everybody. And he has always tried. He's put probably too much into it. And now I think he says, gosh, this is my best team. It is. This is my best chance. It is. And... We're almost come playoff time, and I don't want to run the risk of getting knocked out and doing this at the same time. So I think he's saying, look, December of 1923 is when we'll do this because he's finally comfortable to say this is my team and it's good enough. Jeff Ward, weekdays on 102.7 ESPN. You better like that, kid. You know, on Mondays, I try to do this thing. No, I don't try to do it. I actually do it. It is overreactions versus reality. It's kind of my way of saying uh, people get over their skis. There's a more objective way of looking at things. So overreaction versus reality. Well, I'm guilty of the first overreaction. have been doing it for a couple of months now. Um, actually, even longer than that. So overreaction. 
There's no way the Houston Texans, as I labeled them not long ago, I think fairly, the most nondescript franchise in football. In other words, no one cares, no one pays any attention. There's no way they get six wins. I've even placed the bet countless times. There's no way they get six wins, and there's no way they even sniff the playoffs. Reality. They're at six wins now, and they play Jacksonville for, ready for it, first place in the AFC South. It's ridiculous. The fact that I'm even talking about the Houston Texans is a milestone all by itself. I think the only time I've talked about the Texans in years is to say, wow, they suck and get everything wrong. Well, right now they're getting most things right. In fact, almost everything right, better than any of us even imagined. So they matter now. The Texans matter now for the right reasons. And that's has not been the case practically forever. The biggest takeaway with the Texans is going to sound strange, but I'm I'm going to I'm going to sell it to you this way. They won when they were bad. They won when they were bad on offense. And not to get too football nerdy, that's life in football. You don't always have a hot hand. Your offense is always never never going to you can never count on lighting up the scoreboard all the time. You just can't. It's borrowed time living on offense only. They won when they were as bad as they can be on offense. And that means a lot. That's really an important sign. They were off on offense and still won a game. Now you're going to say, well, it's Arizona. I, it's still the NFL. When your quarterback throws three interceptions in the NFL, you lose. So that's how things have changed. They play terribly against the Cardinals on offense, on offense. And they won. C.J. Stroud had his first three-interception game of his college and pro career. I'm assuming that kid never threw three interceptions. But in his college and pro career, he's never had a three-interception day. He played terribly yesterday, and they won. They won. That's a big deal. It's a really important sign for a franchise. And I promise you, I don't even know if D'Amico Ryan's even said it because you never want to be happy that your quarterback threw three picks. But you survived it. You didn't just survive it. You survived it and won. They held Arizona to 16 points. Now, had they been playing Kansas City, would it ended like that? No, it didn't. But still, this is the Texans. They've come a long way. At least acknowledge it. To throw three picks and win in the NFL is a huge deal. That's the difference between the Texans... I don't know, a year ago, heck, for that matter, September ago, and now. Imagine this. Had someone, no one did, had someone said the Texans will be playing the Jags for first place on Thanksgiving weekend, you would say you are psychotic and on crack or on crack and psychotic. Take your pick. The Texans (laughs) played the Jags this weekend, and it matters a lot. People are going to be saying this game matters a lot. When was the last time anyone said the Texans have a big game this weekend? Never. I don't think they win, but it's cool that the game is one of the most important games of one of the most important weekends in football. That's a pretty remarkable change of pace. Overreaction. 
I'm going to say barely, but overreaction. Your Texas Longhorns have no chance to get into the final college football final four. Reality. Okay. Um, It's a stretch, but it's possible. They got some help this weekend in kind of a sad way. The math automatically says three spots are taken. Okay? Uh, Next year goes to 12, which is it should be 16. It should have been that way from the very beginning, but college football is a dumb industry. Outdated, dumb industry. The math automatically says there are three spots taken. That's the Pac-12 winner. That's going to be the SEC winner. That's going to be the Big Ten winner. And I'm going to avoid going on a Jim Harbaugh rant for once. A backdoor way in is possible for Texas. But a bunch of stuff would have to happen. Obviously, step one would be Texas beating Texas Tech, and I think they would need to do it badly. Route them. They then win the Big 12 championship game, and a blowout would help. Florida State, here's why this thing all of a sudden is even a possibility, even a discussion, to be honest with you, for all the wrong reasons. Florida State just lost their starting quarterback, one of the best players in the game today, and he's done. So they, they beat North Alabama, but that's, that's not the real story. Who knows, who knows what that team is like without their starting quarterback? So let's just say, for example, they lose in the ACC championship, and it might happen. Alabama would be, need to beat Georgia in the SEC championship. That's a stretch, but this is one of Nick Saban's best coaching jobs. Oregon would need to beat Washington. I think Ohio State would need to beat Michigan, and Michigan is the favorite. Um, all that stuff helps Texas. All that stuff is possible. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's all a long shot, but... But there is a catch. So here's the catch for Texas, which I think you can say because of the uncertainty of Florida State, who was all but booked, all that had a spot, had taken one of those four spots, which any way you looked at it, had they taken one of those four spots? Because I said the other three are pretty much automatics. The Big 12 is down. The Big 12 sucks this year, so it's just not going to get the love. So three of those spots are automatically taken. You would have to have, for Texas to have a chance, you would have to have Florida State lose. That was not even a consideration until now. Here's the catch, though. Here's the catch. Are you sure? Are you sure these soon-to-be one-loss teams fall below Texas? See, that's why Texas needs big scores, big blowouts, and they haven't been doing that. Because I'm not quite convinced right now that these soon-to-be one-loss teams, if all this plays out perfectly, I'm not sure these soon-to-be one-loss teams fall below Texas. Right? Um, Texas has played, what, one ranked team in the last four to five game stretch and has been lucky, really lucky to win three of the four. So my point is here, here's the risk. Georgia loses to Alabama. Would they drop to pass number four in the poll and keep Texas out? Would they drop from one to four and keep Texas out? Michigan, does Michigan stay in the top four? Now, Michigan, I think because Jim Harbaugh is such a jerk and such a jackass, everyone would happily drop them to, like, number 105. They'll go from number two to 105. <laughs> but, I mean, would they would they stay in the top four? I don't think so. So you want Ohio, if you're a Texas fan, you want Ohio State win. Washington is the one I think that gets screwed. 
get screwed by Texas, get screwed by the name of Texas, get screwed by, just Texas screws them over. No way they deserve it. No way. Washington, with the loss, could be the one. Florida State would have to lose step number one, just have to mark that down. Washington, with the loss, could they fall below Texas? They would need to get blown out by Oregon, I think. I'm not sure that happens. They would not just need to lose to Oregon. I think they need to lose pretty badly to Oregon. It, it, would, be, it would be ridiculous. It would be ridiculous. The resume of Washington versus the resume of Texas is not even, not even close. I think Washington has now beaten three straight ranked teams. It's a ridiculously good resume. But my point is they might drop below Texas. That's how Texas sneaks in. Few impressive wins. All the, it's, a, it's an art contest. It's not, a, it's not about details. It's not about facts. It's about art. And because the name is Texas, you've got the benefit of the doubt. Because they were able to, if they're, if, if they're able to blow out Texas Tech and win a Big 12 championship game in a blowout, and Washington were to lose, the argument would be there for Texas. It would. I don't think it'd be fair, okay? I don't think it'd be right, but I think the argument would be there. If all of a sudden there were four one-loss teams in the top eight, would Texas get the pick because their name is Texas and because they beat Alabama in September? Yeah, I could see it. This is how I just laid it out. I think I could see it. Oh, no, no, it's not right. Nope, not at all. <laughs> no. Anyone in the Pac-12 getting screwed over by Texas is not right. It's a better league, far better league, far better resumes. But I, I, do, I do think before you slam the door on this whole thing, I, I do think that's, I think it's a possibility. I think it's reality. I think Florida State losing a championship game without their quarterback, who's one of the best players in the game today, is reality. I think Texas blowing out Texas Tech and whoever ends up in the Big 12 championship is reality. And if those things were to happen... It's a real possibility. Yeah. All right, 512-834-1027. Jeff Ward, weekdays on 102.7 ESPN. Subscribe to the Jeff Ward Show podcast or the aliens are going to come and get you. On 102.7 ESPN. Now back to the Jeff Ward Show. Shut up, smoker voice, and let my kids talk. Uh, here we go on Twitter or X or whatever it's called this week, and things are going so well for that company. Way to go, boss. At Jeff Ward Show, FSU's quarterback loss is eerily similar to Kenyon Martin breaking his leg in the conference tourney when they would have been the number one overall in the, number, in the NCAA tournament. If they finish undefeated and Bama beats Georgia, they will be bounced to fifth in the BCS. Yeah, there's a, there's a conversation going on because of this stupid setup in, in college football, which everyone acts like it's so much better than the old days when it was opinions. Now, for some reason, opinions are better, more refined. Even if they win, would they get bounced? I, I don't think so. I, I, I don't think an undefeated Florida State team, I don't care who the quarterback is, I, I, I don't. Look, if there are four undefeated teams in the end, or there's a one-loss Oregon team, 
I, they're all going in. I, I think. I, I, I would assume so. Uh, at Jeff Ward's show, the College Football Playoff Committee has said conference championships and a head-to-head matter. 12-1 Texas is in with two of three reasonable possibilities. A Florida State loss, a Washington loss, or a Georgia loss. Hey, didn't I just say that? <laughs> I just also pointed out I'm not convinced. I don't agree with a Washington loss. And they're out. I don't. If you're going to be the committee, has also said oftentimes, schedule matters, and that that is a liability for Texas. One, the Big Twelve sucks. Two, they've struggled. Washington's resume is ridiculous. It's a ridiculous schedule. It should matter. At Jeff Ward's show, right after Jimmy Johnson's last Super Bowl, he went on David Letterman's show and made an underhanded, snarky comment regarding Jarrah. I think that played a role in the divorce, too. It's not just a divorce. It's, it's been petty. It's like if these if divorced couple, they haven't talked at their kids' parties and soccer games in all these years. Does anyone agree with me that the reason why he's willing to do it now is because it's a good team? At Jeff Ward's show, Tennis years, the team with Roma was better than this one. The year when they almost beat Rodgers and the Packers in the playoffs, Des Bryant's great catch in the end zone ruled a non-catch in the final minutes. They went 13-3 and that season, probably Romo's best year. Not probably it was. And that's a decent argument that that team, which was, uh, you know, led to a rule change, that team, as good as this one or better, maybe, Maybe. Uh, that's fair. At Jeff Ward Show, Utah quarterback Rising says he'll play a seventh season in 2024. Yeah, he did. And he's good. Really good. This is his coming up on his seventh season. Uh, at Jeff Ward Show, former Texas Longhorn QB intends to play seventh season. I mean, really, dude, go get a job. Well, that's what he's trying to do. I think he thinks, and I think he's don't think he's that far off, that he, if he has a good, healthy season, whether it's his seventh or his third, he's going to end up at the NFL. Right now, if he were to say, I want to go in the NFL, he would not. He would not get a job. So next year in his seventh season, if he's healthy and if he's good, he has a, he'll get drafted. And depending on what kind of year he has, we'll decide what round he gets drafted. I know it sounds good. It is goofy. It doesn't sound goofy. It is goofy. But the guy's right. I mean, if, if given his stock, given his injury, which is knee injury, playing next year, granted it's his seventh year, how I really don't know. I'm not quite sure I get that. Um, but I, it's, it's a smart move. You know how many diplomas I could get in seven years? Huh. That's a lot, man. That is. That's the life I want. I don't want the football part. I just want to go to school and be on scholarship and just study all the time. I just want to go and take stuff. Sit in lecture halls. Eight years, 12 years. Isn't that what we all wanted? Isn't that what we wanted? We just wanted to stay in college and not have the bills. I mean, is that not a good life? I mean, how many fraternities has he been president of by now? Um, over the weekend, uh, this was, you want to you hear a coach that's on his way to getting fired? 
Should have been fired a long time ago. But if you just want to say, wow, you're fired, the head coach of the Los Angeles Chargers, who's an absolute pinhead, who shaved his gigantic beard, he previously looked like a small version of Sasquatch, now he looks like he's 14 years old, and he's acting like a fool publicly. This defense has struggled all year, and it back to when you've got it here, and you still haven't made any kind of significant changes. Do you, do you keep saying the same things and doing the same things? I have full confidence, like I t- I've told you, and like I've told you from the beginning, I have full confidence in our way of playing. Full confidence in myself as the play caller, in the way that we teach, and the way that we scheme. Full confidence in that. We gotta bring this group together and do it consistently, okay? And that's where it's at. So you can stop asking that question, okay? I'm going to be calling the defenses, okay? So we're clear. So you don't have to ask that again. I'm not here to talk to, to the fan base. I'm here to talk to my players, the locker room. I know that we give ourselves a chance to win every single week with the game plans that we have, okay? And we have done it here. You guys act like we've never played good defense. That's not the truth. That's not the truth. You act like we haven't made any improvements. Today in the run game, we played outstanding. We're rushing the quarterback well. What we got to do a better job of is in the passing game. And that's where our full attention is, and it's where it will continue to be. There were a lot of other things that caused us to lose today. It certainly wasn't our defense. It was the way we played as a team. We didn't play well on, enough on the red zone on offense. We dropped too many passes okay we gave up a few killer sacks okay we did this as a team stop making it about one unit because that's not what happened out there today our team lost and i am fully responsible for it and i take full responsibility but we lost as a team today you are so fired you are so fired stop it stop that uh, your team is four and six, and you have the highest paid player in the league and one of the best quarterbacks in the league and you suck see the reason why the reporter said, are you going to continue to call the defenses is because, well, you keep losing. And it was a legitimate question, and you need to settle down, and things aren't going well. You're in last place. I don't know how you keep score there, Coach. I don't think they uh, – doesn't look like anywhere in the standings it says we try really hard. You're in last place, man. You are so fired. <laughs> you are. How it's taken this long for Brandon Staley, who, one, is supposed to be a defensive guy and their defense sucks. Again, I'm not quite sure what scoreboard he keeps staring at because their side of the scoreboard gives up a lot of points. So nice try. If, I guess if you get mad enough, you're going to convince someone you're not doing a terrible job, but you are. But then when you get a chance to call offenses or decide to go for fourth downs, you're an absolute idiot. I have no idea how you're still employed. Really. And I think your reaction kind of tells us you have no idea why you're still employed either. I thought this was really well done. Rex Ryan is on ESPN in the mornings. And, hmm, I'm not a big fan of soft. Uh, I don't like soft commentary. I like fearless commentary. And I'm increasingly finding myself going, Rex Ryan, who was very, it was a disliked coach. But you know what? He is increasingly becoming a good talk show host. 
I think he go, should go back in Division Three football where he belongs. Look, this guy, look at his resume, man. I mean, I'm sorry. Dude comes in there one year coordinating a team that my wife could coach, all right, with Aaron Donald, all those guys. Stop it. Been around like, give me a long time. Oh, yeah. And, 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 and uh, trust me, she'd do a hell of a lot better job than this guy's doing with this defense. They're the second highest payroll in the National Football League on defense, and they're the second worst. Like, this team is atrocious, and, and you've got a Hall of Fame quarterback, dude. Ridiculous. And by the way, you're right, Neek. I mean, Jordan Love, there's still a lot of questions about this yeah. kid. Is he an NFL you know, quarterback and all that? He looked like Aaron Rodgers, yeah. Brett Favre, Bart Starr, and all the other Packers, mm-hmm. man. Forget it. This dude. And, and uh, you know, I'm sorry. Your job's to sit up there and answer questions. That man has a right or woman has a right to ask you any question she wants. You get paid to answer those things. All right, handle it. The reason they're questioning you is because you're atrocious on defense. Yep. Give it to anybody else. Let somebody else coach because it ain't getting done. Yeah, that's the way to do it. Right there, that's the way to do it. He's exactly right. There's no, there's no, there was no logic backing up this coach. I mean, that's what was laughable about it. He, he bowed up, and, and Rex Ryan is right. Hey, buddy, you're acting like you're good when there's no piece of data that says you're any good. You're you're lousy, man. He's exactly right. It wasn't like um, Patrick Mahomes lit him up. It was some dude that's sketchy, Jordan Love for the Packers. Stop fighting. You suck. Got to own it. Got to own it. Stop pretending the numbers aren't what the numbers are. Your defense is terrible. You're in last place, and you are so fired. I have no idea. Ed and I have been talking about this for a while. I have no idea how that guy is still employed. It's amazing. You know, there are a lot of times in the NFL when people get whacked and you think it's too quick or it's, you know, some some owner is just overreacting and it just it feels vindictive. Does he date someone's daughter? What's going on here? How are you employed? That's really what everyone in the room is thinking. It is. You're up there. Your team is trash. You're a goofball. And no one knows why you're still there. It's, it's pretty amazing. He was dead man walking like in mid-September. And somehow he still got a job. He's like Milton in office space. They just keep shuffling him around, moving him around. You know, Milton ended up downstairs in that cage, but he's still getting checks. The head coach of the Chargers is Milton of pro football coaches. Make sure you check out the Jeff Ward Show podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.